I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, hello, and thank you for joining us at Leaving Hillsong. This is the second part of my favourite colour of Leaving Hillsong in the UK. It's really good to have you with us. Everybody from Canada to Germany to Western Australia, it's a really fantastic conversation. Now, I know you love part one. I was still laughing and getting goosebumps yesterday, so I know you're going to love this episode. There's a lot of changes going on out there. And one of those is that some amazing person came in and sorted the art issue I was having with Apple. And so now we are on Apple Podcasts. Updates for this podcast are mainly on Facebook and Insta. Everything's under Leaving Hillsong, Twitter, all of those things. Patreon, Leaving Hillsong. It's amazing what you can build today in total isolation. So here's the final part two of my favorite color, Emily's story. And I started to spiral, I think, into a bit of chaos. And it was my parents. They rescued me a bit and they pulled me out after a couple of years. Just said, we don't think this is doing you any good. I think you might need to come home. Tell me about when things start changing, when you start going, you know, where does it stop being, this is fantastic, I can't get enough. And when does it start going, hmm? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Some of the red flags, I suppose, were like I said, you know, the separateness, the difference in aesthetics. I didn't like the emphasis it had on this kind of man woman relationship that was the goal. When colour would come along, she'd talk about weight, Bobby would, she'd talk about weight a lot. And I'm not skinny, I'm never going to be skinny, but there wasn't a, a, an everybody is beautiful. It was a you know, this body is, and you should talk about if Brian would go away, she'd tone up and lose a couple of pounds and try and kind of be appealing to him so that he didn't stray. Oh my and God. I to, yeah. And I, I'd, I'd listen to those, you know, women, you need to kind of keep your man interested. 
So that's that's not a one-off kind of thing, like a, a, a random quote recently. Bobby said, you know, she got taken out of context. She doesn't really care about those things. And it was just a one-off from 20 years that's ago. That's bullshit. She doesn't realise the damage she's done. She doesn't realise the trail of destruction she's left behind by saying these things that she just thinks are so, you know, funny. And um, she talks like this and it's really, really cool, isn't it? I mean, I mean. You know, but the fact that I can do that impression how many 20 years later just tells you, you know, she doesn't realise the trade of destruction she's left because she says these things off the cuff and she gets, you know, she gets a buzz out of being quirky, funny Bobby who is a bit ditzy and, (laughs) you know, this whole time. But I was listening to those words. I was listening to her stand up and say, you know, you need to keep your man because you need to look good for him so he doesn't look anywhere else and... But when she said, you know, women, you don't want like a, a crane to have to roll you over in bed to, I can't, you know what I'm. Yeah, that's her, that's that her famous of... one. I wonder how unhappy those plastic Stepford wives are as well, because the difference is a pursuit of one particular goal, like you're saying. Like it's just one. They all look the same. That was the thing for me as well. They all started looking the same. So it was very much this kind of like long hair, kind of nice clothes, designer clothes, you know, and it was a very similar look in everyone. They were all kind of the same shape. They're all kind of the same size. And people started changing from what I knew of them back in the original days of the the small theatre days. People I was close to started changing, started changing their accent, started changing their clothes, started you know, being very different. And I was kind of, I wanted to go along with it, but I knew my limitations. I couldn't do that because physically I just, I mean, I just couldn't. And financially I couldn't keep up, but back to kind of Bobby and the trailer destruction she left. I'm still, I still think about those things kind of 20 years later and she's, you know, living her millionaire lifestyle that she just thinks it's okay to say these things off the cuff and apologize for them later. But it was too late when the le- when the words left her mouth. Why do you think they've had such a strong impact all this time later? Like you were saying, you've done work, you've been through a lot more in life, and it's still with you. And also I'm wondering about the money, the financial ruin. Uh, financial ruin. <laughs> if somebody said, you know, oh well, you could have sorted that out by now. You can learn new rules. You can learn new habits. Then that person's never been in a cult culture such as that. And I have had people, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of share that I was brought up in church with people, and they just think it was kind of like this little village church, a little C of E church that you went on a Sunday and you did your thing, and then you lived your life outside of that. I don't think people who have never been through uh, like an evangelical experience, particularly evangelical fundamentalists, when they haven't been through that, it's really hard to explain. And it's really hard to get some common ground or common understanding. Actually, it's really hard to get empathy uh, from those people, because when I talk to people who've been through it, whether it was my church at home or whether it was a Hillsong church, we can talk on a level that only we understand. We'll have common traumas. <laughs> we'll have common lifestyle habits. 
we'll have common language. I spend a bit of time kind of talking to people who've left just the church I grew up in and stuff. And we talk about particularly the music and how weird it is that still we've been out of church for however long and it will take one song and I could cry or I could really feel it and get excited about it and actually there's kind of more like pop songs now and chart songs who have a very similar sound to Hillsong songs now and I have this playlist now called Sounds Like God (laughs) I don't know how it all happened how the cultures became crossed there's artists who I'll go oh I wonder if they used to be a Christian for example I'll hear Ed Sheeran I'll hear Lewis Capaldi and they've all got little kind of chord patterns that remind me of church and certain kind of chord uh, song structures and you know the classic Christian build-up so it has the chorus and then all of a sudden it goes quiet and they all sing and then it builds up just with the drums and it kind of then it builds momentum and then it's back into the chorus. There's lots of those kind of going around now. So I have this playlist on my Spotify that sounds like God. So I've collected all these songs that sound like church songs, but aren't church songs. I want, so I kind of I want that. I'll, I'll share it because it's almost like I get this little fix from it. Okay. Uh, dopamine, dopamine central. But I remember that that will take me back to like being 10, sitting with my headphones on my bed. The the kind of full circle that I've come now in terms of my belief and my understanding of what the hell life is all about is quite um, I would say. I don't know what I don't care it's me I'm not going to make any apologies for it this is me but I've decided and I've realized that the God that I was singing to and searching for and praying to and hoping for to answer my prayers is me and I'm the person who is in control or out of control depending on how I am but I'm the one who has responsibility for all the choices that I make there's no external force that I've got to hope for and sing to to get their attention and pray right and do right things and you know tick the boxes I am that person I'm a divine person I am and I when I actually listen to God songs now I sing them to the God within me, the goddess within me. I sing them to the forces of the the, the collective consciousness that we are as human beings together. And, and, And I sing them with a whole different perspective. And don't get me wrong, I will go and sing God songs every now and again. I'll put them on the you know, on the playlist, I'll I'll raise my hands, I'll close my eyes, I'll cry sometimes. You know which one gets me? Peace Be Still by Hope Dast. It was on a secular playlist at one point on Spotify, but the words are peace be still. You are here for it as well. Even when my, was it even when my, I will trust the voice within. And, you know, I started singing that to myself. And when I hear it now, I sing that to me because I am, I'm, I'm in control now. I'm not waiting for God this person in the sky who's going to watch my videotape and judge me only I can do that and I can decide who I allow into my space no one's going to make me feel 
like I used to feel back then. Sounds like a song itself. But no one has that power anymore. Probably about five, maybe five years ago or something, I got rid of 99% of kind of church Hillsong people on my Facebook because every time I saw it, I was, oh, I was just dead annoyed. And I was just like, oh, shut up, you know, shut up. You know, your church is built on a, a child abuser. Why are you supporting this? Like, I'd get really angry. So I cut them all out so that I didn't see that anymore. And if I want to go looking for it, I'll go looking for it. But I don't have to go looking for it. I'm not obsessed. I don't think I'm fully healed in any way, shape or form from that. But I am definitely more aware. I'm definitely more in control. I kind of laugh a bit now. It's still very painful when I think about how I felt and how I was really inhibited in 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 myself back then and I feel sorry for her like I look back on that person and wish that I could be her friend to tell her it was going to be okay my mum came down to the colour conference uh because I'd been like yeah come to colour everyone's cool and you'll, you'll love it and actually she didn't love it and she was quite concerned at the messages that were being kind of shared and how they were making me feel and I think she saw the impact on me and so we had this kind of conversation which was just like you know she didn't enjoy it and I was a bit like because again I was so full-on with it I was hurt because she didn't enjoy the conference that I had nothing to do with putting on but you know it was like that whole like weird feeling even though you've told us just before that color made you feel really bad and you didn't relate to it you still loved it yeah but what I would do is I'd make excuses for them I'd make excuses for it and I just put myself down and I just accept that I just got to this level of acceptance that I just wasn't that going to be that person, but I'd like to try still. Reluctantly, I left London after kind of conversation with my parents. My parents came down, kind of moved me out of my house. And yeah, I, it was all a bit of a blur, to be honest. I can't remember too much about all of that. All I remember is I, I was annoyed at having to go home uh, and leave this this place. And I kind of got withdrawal symptoms, I think, a bit. And I'd be very kind of pining for Hillsong. I remember I walked in quite a few years later. I went down to to London to a, a, a service and the people who I used to hang out with barely even acknowledged me. And weirdly, Gary acknowledged me for the first time. I remember I said I had about half a conversation with him. He actually went, oh, hey, it's it's you. It's Emily, isn't it? And I was just like, ah, oh, shut up. And I never went back. But when I went home, there was very much kind of a period of like, don't you know who I am type thing. I'm the drummer from Hillsong. And I remember one time I was doing this uh, worship back home and we were doing a sound check and I'm sound checking the drums. How I, you know, like it was my dream setup. I had the best drum kit at Hillsong. I had all these gadgets. It was just brilliant. Uh, and then I didn't have that when I went home. And I remember doing this sound check and it took so long. I, I, did, I said something and the guy who was the sound engineer said, oh well you're not at Hillsong now and I I said something back and I just went yeah if I was at Hillsong we'd have been finished half an hour ago (laughs) I was quite obnoxious because I really missed it and it was I think I missed the experience like I missed the the instruments the feeling that because god there's nothing like the adrenaline when you're on stage and you're, you're you know you're I was good at what I did 
And so because I was surrounded by these incredible musicians as well, and it was all very, you know, I, I was doing concerts essentially uh, every week on West End stages. Like how much better can you get as terms of a musician? The experience was was thrilling and it fueled my want to go back. Then I had to go back home, which was 250 miles back home in small town northeast and there wasn't the same feeling it was like we had the best of the best and I'm not saying that was good but for me at the time ingrained in it and in it enveloped in it it, it it was good yeah the hardest thing was kind of people not keeping in touch that's after what, I left so yeah that's what I wanted to ask you about what what happened I look I mean it was pre-Facebook so I think we maybe have MySpace around to try to find people, but there's something to embarrass about, yeah. <laughs> Keeping in touch was a bit harder because place quite far away. So I think once I left, I just got forgotten. And it was really only when Facebook came along that you kind of started seeing people who you knew. So you leave in 2003? Yeah, Hillsong, yeah. And go home... I remember being at home when the first live album that I played on was released and it was like I had to kind of like really tell people that I was on this album because there was no credit, there was no photo. I remember having to sign, you know, the the form to say we're not going to get anything from it and stuff and and it was a bit kind of, it was a bit like an anti anti climax really. So I, I felt the loss So that kind of loss of status, I was no longer the chick drummer at Hillsong. I wasn't hanging out with, you know, these really cool musicians anymore. I wasn't, I loved the Australian accents. I love being surrounded by it. I love like the idea of going over there and I never got the chance to. Um, So I kind of missed out and I missed all of that. It it really wasn't until years and years later that I realised how much damage they'd done subconsciously you know, what's life been like since, like, how does that pan out that you then become aware of this other stuff, like the religious trauma stuff? And So I didn't really find out about religious trauma until the last couple of years. Like, I'd done a lot of work previous to that, but it's still, there was still a lot of habits and personality traits. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Like I was riddled with anxiety at all times. I think really when I came out, that was the minute I stepped into, okay, I've got to do this because if I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. And I took it at all costs, regardless of whether it hurt people. I had to do it because I was dying inside. And divorce was just not, you know, not ever considered acceptable in the, in the church. So, you know, I was really, really struggling. And I joined a gay choir in Bristol. And it's very different culture down there. It's very open, very kind of um, open minded, lots of realized feminism when I got there and I kind of was like oh my gosh I've been you know under a rock you know they allowed me to kind of step into myself there and so I felt it just kind of went from there no one at any point in my journey gave me any reason to think that being gay would have been okay and I don't blame them for that I don't blame myself either anymore I used to I because don't forget, God's videotape was playing, was recording me. And it, it, in church, it was that close-knit community where people, you know, everyone knew what everyone was doing. And you didn't want to get labelled a backslider and you didn't want to be flipping exercised with hands laid on and praying in that sense, because there was a lot of that in my church. It was very fruits of the spirit and manifestation in that sense. There was... Uh, <laughs> Everyone started to do these weird stuff. And I scared, it scared me to death when I was a kid. And I didn't want to be that person who was roaring and crying. And so I just shut up. And I, so it's a Katy Perry song. It felt so wrong. It felt so right. It's true. But I kept that with me. Oh, God, it's been a, it's been a ride. And funnily enough, a couple of years, like a year or so later, a couple of years later, uh, bipolar um, diagnosis was accompanied by the greatest showman soundtrack this is me I was in the state of mania I, I, I was seeing colors <laughs> and then I went to the doctors and they told me it was bipolar and once I knew that though it helped me to understand myself so much better it helped me understand the wild fanatical you know attachments that I would seek and and, and were part of it helped me understand so much more and okay I had to go through a very catastrophic breakdown and leave the career that I'd started to build and love so much which was teaching but I finally once I made that and I started to heal from that and now I would say you know like I'm still this wonderful person with great ideas and great contributions to things it just means that my brain works a bit differently because it's been through trauma but I have this toolbox around me now I can put in measures where that doesn't go as far as it as it maybe could have done at one point. If I feel low, there's things that I can pick out my toolbox and put in place so that I can feel better. And, you know, touching laminate wood in front of me, I haven't been kind of manic or depressed for for quite a while. And 
but for the first time in my life aged 39 I'm in control of far more than whatever was and I used to think that that would have come from God but that's not the case the case is it comes from me and I can worship myself every day just like I used to worship God I it's just a a beautiful story of freedom I can hear it in your voice I, I can taste it from here and there's nothing that you could exchange that for on earth yeah like it's just no that's right sorry just tell me quickly when you said before um, my brain works a bit differently because I've been through trauma. What makes you believe that this has come from trauma? Because it is. I think it comes from, you know, subliminal mind control. It comes from forced uh, ideals. It comes from having to conform. It comes from just years of indoctrination, week after week after week after week. And I mean, look. I didn't leave until maybe I was about 26 or something. So that's 26 years of good kind of, you know, Bible bashing. How long does that videotaping belief stay with you for? No, it's definitely gone now. Only I'm accountable to myself now. But that has taken a lot of years. I would say the last the last seven, eight years, I've, that, that's been a, a real kind of unpicking, unraveling, healing from, you know, I've done a and I don't okay I am proud I am proud I've done a lot of work to get rid of this now no longer do I feel burdened by the church in the impact that that's had on my life I don't feel that necessarily as much uh the, the way that I can play music there's definitely an influence it takes me five seconds and I can play you some offering music you know it's dead easy like on the piano but I'm okay with that because it's that's just part of me because that's just something I can't control but I can control the, the the mindset far more now. Well, the thing is, that you've got to you've got to deprogram to then reprogram. Oh, that's a nice catchy phrase, but it's true. And so I got my nose pierced first, and then when I came out, I went and got my first tattoo, which is the Hebrew Tim shell, and it comes from john steinbeck's east of eden where he talks about you know the kind of indoctrination of christianity and he talks about thou shalt not thou shalt not and how someone grows up with those thou shalt not you have no freedom over your choices you just have to stick to those rules but tim show means thou mayest and it gives you a choice over the decisions that you make and so when you're presented with a with a situation you have control when you say well i could do this or i could do this and then that becomes a free choice. And Tim Shell becomes the most powerful word in the world because you have freedom over your decisions. And that was probably one of the defining moments of, of my kind of shedding. So then my hair started getting shorter. Now I just I'm just I'm who I am because this is how I've always wanted to be. This is how I've, I've always been a tomboy. When I was a kid, I rode a BMX. I played football. I, I've always wanted to dress like this. I've always wanted to have my hair short. And now I can be because there's nobody telling me I can't anymore. And if they do tell me I can't, I tell, I just say, well, there's, you have no right. The simple purity and the beauty of that, that people don't understand unless they've been through that. I love that, Tim Shell. It takes a that. long time. Oh, yeah, it's great. It takes a lot of work and it takes determination because it, you, I could quite happily sit comfortably under the diagnosis of bipolar 
and just allow that to just rule my life oh I'm, I've got bipolar therefore I'm acting like this or I'm now luckily in a marriage where I have this woman who just gets it and she understands so beautifully how it all works like she's taken time to understand the trauma it wasn't until we watched Jesus camp and when we watched that and I said and I said watch this and you'll understand where I've come from and she watched it and I just had this panic attack and she saw the impact of how that was still impacting me and she realized that was PTSD and helped me through that whereas I was I used to be such an anxious mess and I was scared of saying the wrong thing and and Sarah's really helped me to just heal and allowed me to break as well because you can only heal when you've broken otherwise we're just putting sticking plasters over the top of it and hoping it will go away you know and I was just a walking sticking plaster and now when I've broken in half and was there thinking death was the only option because this life was just so horrendous and I'd and I'd messed up my life was just a waste is what I thought and and I just couldn't see a way forward I'd had a breakdown my career had ended because teaching is just too much and and I'm talking only this this time last year I have this breakdown and broken in half and then I start rebuilding an understanding of where I'd come from and that that wasn't normal (laughs) completely all-consuming mind-altering damaging but it's heartbreaking seeing what should be a very uh I mean, church is supposed to be a lovely place, you know, and love one another. And Jesus is a, is a nice guy. And it's not. Uh, those churches can be very damaging when it becomes so fundamental that it becomes all consuming and addictive, I suppose. And, and you become fanatical. There's many of me still in there. It's not my job to to say you're wrong. Because it doesn't work just to take responsibility for your own mistakes and your own learning and that's very beautiful you can't stick that on to somebody else the problem is and this is why I taught because sadly what happens if you don't have the right support network around you so I'm lucky I've got Sarah she gets it she's she's experienced um she hasn't experienced my trauma but she's sat with me in the trauma she's she's learned about what it was she's learned the triggers even not everyone has that there's people who end their lives who don't know what else to do and they end their life and that is tragic and I know I say to you it's not my responsibility to 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 be there and heal them and help them you know heal and whatever but god I wish we talked about it more I'm wearing this t-shirt that says it's okay not to be okay you know I'm such a passionate advocate for talking and sharing stories and just reached out and the problem is you know in churches it gets so swept under the carpet I mean I don't know what it's like now because I'm not part of it now but you know we didn't talk about mental health we didn't talk about depression or anxiety or you know Jesus was the one who was going to heal us so let's just carry on and keep sweeping it under the carpet and you know there's people dead now who who didn't know any other way out and so if I could just say anything at all, it's it's talk and it's not the end. There is life after it. But my God, it's going to be painful and it's going to hurt. 
you might not want to keep going but trust me that there is a better way there is a life after church there is a life after the trauma uh, and that you can you can live the life that you wanted to but you know it's taken me nearly 40 years to realize that yeah there's life after the shame and the control and the yeah beating self up and that's right you you don't have to live like that that constant striving that's beautiful thank you so much I wanted to write my book I wanted to call it God's videotape kids some of these left behind kids I mean I spoke with a girl once that every time she lost her parents at the supermarket or sorry at the shopping center you know what I mean she thought the rapture had come and she'd been left behind you can't do this to kids I see so many kids like 19 18 20 you know never experience anything no relationship uh, advice just go and get married and, and that's how you can then you'll have kids and you know then you're allowed to have sex and it's like oh god it's so much more it'll all just that. work itself out after the wedding yeah yeah and that's why so many of us are divorced because we were children practically when we were getting married you know I was a bit older actually I was more 24 that's that's insane there's one thing that I really really wish and I'm sad about is when I first met my now best friend I met her at work and she said Emily you remind me of like a a 20 year old and I didn't understand what she meant by that and I realized what I was doing in my 30s was I was regressing almost to my 20s that I'd missed out living and I was remorseful about it because I was like god I could have done so much in my 20s that I was guilt shamed into even thinking about that it took me to my 30s to then you know shed the more and more I kind of did my healing she'd be like yeah you're about 26 now like it was quite funny I definitely had an absent period of time where I was married and living this life uh, that was expected of me but deeply unhappy and missing out on what I thought maybe could have shaped me so now I'm kind of like this 39 year old who actually feel I feel about about 28 <laughs> And that's quite common, very naive in terms of oversharing and, you know, intensity of friendships. And now I can get it. Now I understand it more and I'm far more like in control and I'm very, very selective of who I let into my energy field, if you like. But it's very common. And I think we need to talk about religious trauma syndrome more down to being able to define what your favourite colour is. I only wear black. I literally only wear black because I haven't got an idea of what suits me. I wear very basic kind of uh, clothing. The, the thing I'm most proud of is my hair and I can just about kind of pull it together. But you ask me to go, if you give me a thousand pounds and said, go shopping, get whatever you want. I wouldn't have a clue where to start because we don't we just get told that it's not for pleasure that we shouldn't be we shouldn't be living for pleasure we shouldn't be living should be living for God and you know anything kind of extravagant is gluttonous aspect down to the music you listen to the things that you wear you know only other person I had come across is called Dr Marlene Winnell she writes this book called Leaving the Fold and I read this in 2005 and she said some people don't even know what their favorite color is and no I'm more than all right. Like, I think that's been the biggest thing, really, that is the mental impact that it's had. Do I make you sing the books of the Bible or is that? (laughs) Do you make me or do I choose to? Well, here's the thing. You could put it in as an addendum at the end and say, I I couldn't let Emily leave without singing the books of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Um, it's, No, I'll do it. 
want to sound like a preacher, but I just know that there's so many things in there that's going to resonate with people so many different ways. Thank you for reaching so deeply inside you to share that. Thank you for having me to talk. It's important important to talk about it. And, you know, I'm in a place now where I can talk about it and it's not going to kind of bring up too much stuff for me. So, you know, it's good to talk is the message. Now do you want me to sing the books of the Bible? I want you to sing the books of the Bible. So I'm going to do this because I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to prove to you how long it it's lasted in my brain. But you can see I've got no reference. There's nothing in front of me that's telling me what the books are. Yeah, are you ready? <clears throat> this is my outro. Here we go. <clears throat> Pressure. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and Samuel, Samuel, Kings and Kings, Chronicles and Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jose, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, X, Romans, and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Tim, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrew, James and Peter, John and Jude and Revelation. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.